Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Flyers Post Game. Joyous time, let me tell you. Flyers got shut out by the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Not great. But what is great for the Flyers at this time? You know, what is great? Working on dropping some links, though. Should be a fun old time tonight. Got a couple listeners. Let's get into it while I see if I can get anybody from BSH to join me. Looks like Steph's there, but if she wants to talk, who knows? But man, oh, Steph would like to speak. Wonderful. Steph Driver, how are you? Oh, lovely. How are you? I'm just lovely. Let me tell you what what a loss by our Philadelphia Flyers tonight. I don't even know who that goalie was. Couldn't even tell you. <laughs> You know, it was not not exactly an inspirational effort here. Flyers shut out three to nothing by Koskinen. Koskinen shut out the Flyers. Just man, thirty nine shots. So there was an effort. At least you could claim there was an effort. Miko Koskinen. I what kind of goalie wears number nineteen? That's what I want to know. It's not a goalie number. No, it's not good. And I mean, the game itself, it was fine. I I don't have much to say about this team or this game because, like, we've said it all. We've said I know it all. they're just an ins- uninspiring group of dudes. And Jerry Mayhew, <laughs> I know, and it, it's just it's so tragic. So coming into this game, well, this might be the the stats from before, but whatever. Uh, Koskinen with a three one three GAA and a nine oh one save percentage, so not terrific numbers here. Not exactly a goaltender, and I believe his first shutout of the season was tonight. So that's <laughs> of course it was. Another notch on the Flyers' belt right here of just terribleness. Just terribleness. Just to recap, uh, again, the Flyers lose 3 to nothing in this game. 
goals from Leon Dreisaitl, Kyler Yamamoto, and Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid with the empty netter there. So does that really count? Not really. You know, it doesn't really. But whatever. It's points. And, ooh, Kelly's also here. She probably has more to say than I do. Wait, if Seth Driver's here, that means that I can literally lay down in my bed. (laughs) I mean, I already was. (laughs) I'm the only one sitting at a desk like a sucker right now. What a psycho. You're you're a professional. I'm actually laying on the couch, so I lied, but... You know, I I would love to be laying on the couch instead of my in my dusty basement talking about the Philadelphia Flyers you, losing again. And I, I didn't really expect otherwise, but I didn't expect them to get shut out in this game. And for me, that's a big deal. That's the only big deal to come from this. I can't believe this was a shutout. Like, really, though, it, just at bare minimum, I can. But <laughs> at bare minimum, right, like the Oilers are not a great defensive team. They're not a great goaltending team. Put up some goddamn goals. Give us some entertainment. 39 shots, nothing to show for it. I mean, is there anything to say beyond that? Good night and good hockey. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's I, I I honestly, like, there's no analysis that you're going to get from me on this game. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> there's I, I just don't. It was just a, a, such a flyer's loss, right? Just a it complete. Like, it was a complete middle of the season means nothing to either one of these teams game. Yeah. Warren would like to, to say some stuff. Warren, you're on with Steve, Steph and Kelly. How are you tonight? Oh, let's uh, get him back on. Okay. There we go. All right. We got Warren. Warren, how you doing tonight, bud? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing tonight? I've been better now. Yeah. I'm doing all right. All things considered. I, I went oh. in with rock bottom expectations and they actually surpassed them. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that sometime soon that James Van Riemsdyk is kind of sent packing. Uh, this is just tough to watch. He's really a minor league player at this point. And let's see, two shots on goal for JVR tonight, and you, J- you would hope for I don't know. Anything. He's supposed to be a a power forward. You know, I've defended JVR in the past, and I really have no defense for him this season. He really yeah. just has He's not really not a power forward, though. He never has been. He's, he's got the big. frame of a power forward, yeah, he's so big, the expectation he's, is there. He's not, yeah. Yeah, but, like, he's, he's a goal scorer, right? And that's what you expect at bare minimum, and we're not even getting that out of him. And the thing about JVR is if he's not scoring goals, what the hell is he doing? I you know, did see that got- – uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Warren. Why am I talking? Warren. No, I'm just saying the three years of Chuck Fletcher and we have a, basically a minor league lineup in there. Most of these guys shouldn't be in the NHL. It's just a terrible well, team. Well, that's fair, but also there's a reason that they're all minor league players right now. Because, they- because we, we traded for guys that can't stay healthy. Well... Yes and and no. I mean, Couturier we didn't trade for, and he's been pretty healthy for most of his. Well, again, he's on and he's declining. He's been I, hurt the last two years. I don't agree that he's declining. We're we're no. literally two years out from his Selkie win, but but I mean, they're not uh, good enough. The, the team itself isn't good enough. That's absolutely true. I mean, um, it's just, it's just tough to watch. This is just, is, yeah. oh, you got that right. You got yeah. that right. This is, it's, there's, it's, there is no uh, disagreement there. Like they are, 
painful to watch. But they don't. What I don't understand is, and even with all these injuries, there's no accountability. There's guys that made lazy. Limblom had a couple lazy penalties tonight. I mean, there's no accountability there. The guys don't get benched. They don't. It, it's it's yeah, but ridiculous. Who, who are you putting in if you bench somebody right now, Warren? Who cares? Where, where are we going to? I know, but I'm just saying, like, it doesn't matter. And lazy penalties happen when a team isn't good enough. Well, there's no account. All, well, you can, you can, you can bench, you can keep guys on the bench where they play five minutes a game, and other guys get more ice time. That's, That's what you can do. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think that that what we're all kind of we're just grasping at straws to try and fix this team. But the pro- the problem <laughs> is, is that there's fixed. no. Well, there's no there's one no. else. There's no one else. Like, even with the Phantoms, like, yeah, Morgan Frost and Kim York is still yeah. down there, I believe. Do you I think, think you think Morgan Frost is maybe on the way out? Yeah. I mean, well, no. We, no. I think, so, I think, I, so I, actually, I think a big part of that is going to be once the trade deadline passes and like he's got to see significant time after the trade deadline. Like I'm expecting a lot of bodies to get moved at the trade deadline, like anybody over the age of 30 almost. And I, I, you know, I would hope most of the older guys would get shipped out and hopefully I'm hoping we get an extended look at York and Frost and these younger guys that we really need, especially Frost because Frost is at the point where we really do need to make a make or break evaluation with him. And I, I hate seeing him in the minors right now. I want to know one way or the other. If he's got to go, he's got to go. But I want to know if he is a legit guy. Yeah, Kelly and the Broad Street Hockey radio team minus me this week had a really interesting conversation about Morgan Frost and just like what the hell are we doing with him? What can we expect from him? And it was a really good conversation, and I I wish that I was there for it. But I mean, the answer is we don't know. And I think the 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 problem that we're having as fans is we thought that he was good because of where where we drafted him and what we gave up for him. But I don't think he's that good. I just don't think he's that good. Well, he fits in with the rest of them. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't see a lot of good hockey tonight from anybody. I mean, they had a no, lot of shots. Not. They had a lot of shots, but I don't know if they were really getting to the net. There was some really traffic in front of the net. And no, they, they were Dave Haxtall shots getting in there, like just not very high quality, not high danger chances, not what you want to see. I, I, and the biggest concern I really have is, you know, going forward, who's our, who are we building this team around? The core they mentioned is not going to win anything. They need to really look at what they're doing there because the core they mentioned can barely get on the ice right now. Yeah. So this is, this is friggin' ridiculous. Yeah, I think the answer is they build around Carter Hart. You've got the goalie. You got yeah. That's a yeah, that's but, one guy. <laughs> it's one guy. <laughs> one guy. Yeah. Probably Farabee too, because he's young enough and he's. But he's not. He's, but not. he's not like the guy. He's not a. He's a twenty-five goal a guy a year, maybe thirty. He's not. He's right. not a. He doesn't have the it factor. Right. He's yeah. not great. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think he's a good player. He's a good player, but he's not great. Yeah. So he'll stick. And I think they just have to build around Carter Hart. Like, I think 
the rest of them, the rest of these bums, bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah, no, I, I mean, honestly, I really, that's why I very much expect uh, at least as close to a fire sale as we're going to see later this month. Because... So you, th- you think that Fletcher is answering his phone now? Well, yeah. I don't know if he uh, ever I had mean, it off. They're, they're, answering, they're <laughs> answering his calls. I'm sorry. Oh, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. No, I gotcha. I totally gotcha. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down here. But no, like, I, I really think that once they – there's a couple situations I think they're trying to sort out one way or the other, namely the Ristolainen contract, which, yeah. uh, you know, don't get me started on that. But that's one thing, and obviously, like, the future of Claude Giroux, those are two big pieces that could – go or stay at the trade deadline and i'm inclined to just get rid of everything and start anew but you're right though i mean they 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 are lacking that wow factor that it factor and and that guy to build around they i mean we've talked about the lack of high-end talent on this team they got a lot of b plus players and this is what you get and man yeah it's another rough one tonight yeah take care guys good talking to you thanks warren appreciate you calling in yeah, as as we're talking about the trade deadline and as we're talking about this nothing game with this nothing team, I'm now, as of this moment, getting nervous that the returns we're going to get from these guys, I think we're selling low. We, I mean, we are selling low. Oh, I, I definitely hear that. Real, real bad <laughs> this year. All of them. And uh, by the way, quick note, uh, James Minger joining us right now. James. Hey! New Broad Street Hockey Edition right here. How is everyone? Oh, we're just dandy, James. Let me tell you, <laughs> watching the Flyers lose three to nothing to the Edmonton Oilers just as a, a highlight of the day. I, I may or may not have uh, spiked my my peach tea for this evening, so you know we're doing great. And you know it's uh, it could be worse, right? I mean, it could it, be uh, worse. Uh, in all honesty, though, as was, we look at, like, uh, uh, reasons to watch this team, uh, at least they didn't give up, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess we got mm. that going for us. But I can't <laughs> I can't believe they didn't score a goal in this game. I really can't believe – like, I, again, I can believe it. But, God damn it, the, the Edmonton Oilers are not a team to get shut out by at home. It, it's, it's insane. You know, like – it's difficult, right? Because you watch it because they're generating shots and like to the eye, it looks like they're kind of doing things. But at the same time, when you're watching the, these these kind of like like the, the puck move go back and forth, you see just an extra clutch or like they dust off the pass or they, they're looking for like one extra little move there. Uh, and like it's just those little things that really allow like a giant like Koskinen who's normally just sucks ass to be able to get that <laughs> second, like second to come back over and make that like miraculous save or, uh, or we're used to the flyers getting gullied all the time. Um, and they're making plays. It's just, they just don't have that confidence to be able to just be do things without thinking. For sure. And you know, you're talking about that, giant size of Koskinen coming into play. Like I remember a lot of the push late in the game, they're just trying to jam it in, which don't get me wrong. I love a good greasy goal, but that's the main advantage of having a gigantic goaltender is he's not going to let in those greasy goals. That's really his forte is stopping that kind of stuff. Like you really need to get some skilled opportunities in there or shoot from afar or something, you know, and just like (sighs) frustrating. Well, you know what's really was funny because we always talk about, well, what would a good hockey team do, right? So, it, <laughs> and then what would the Avalanche do? 
Yeah, but the Avalanche or Tampa, they have different lines that are going to do different things. So, like, you know, your Nate McKinnon or your, like, Steven Stamkos or Brandon Point line, they're going to razzle-dazzle you. But you need some just, like, hardcore WD-40 grease that, like, a Pat Maroon's going to do by just sticking his big ass in front of a net. And, you know, we sort of have that with, like, a Jerry Mayhew. And that's actually why I'm really concerned about Isaac Radcliffe because – uh, I, I just don't see him have that big assery about him because, you know, he's he's too big and not skilled enough to be able to play that kind of silky game. He's the guy you want in there doing that because he is huge. And Jerry Mayhew is a 5'9", 161-pound player who plays bigger than he actually is. Right. And unless Jerry May, who's going to be the next Mark Recchi or shit, I'll even take the next Rob DeMaio. Right. But it's it, it not. And like, it, it's fun. I'll take Mike like, Sillinger at this point. Oh, you love Silly with Sillinger. Come on. I'll definitely take Silly with Sillinger. I love like some Silly. Come on. That's Silly. Time. <laughs> you know, I really take his kid right now. He's he's playing great out in Columbus. But it I don't know. I mean, it, it could always be worse, I suppose. I mean, we we've we've it's pretty this, bad. This, it's it's not good. It's definitely not good. But um, how, how and, is my question? How could it be worse? You know how it could be worse. It's like in pick any of your ten game losing streaks that we've had, right? And when you oh. can just like visibly see them just give up, like a petulant teenager, and it's like, oh, we got to play the rest of the hockey game. That's how it could be worse. <laughs> That's fair, and I've seen that out of the Flyers in recent years. I certainly have seen that, and they did keep trying tonight. They they did keep fighting, but, man, it just was not happening. I mean, for me, the, the real low light of this game was when they got that early two-man advantage. And oh, yeah. Number one, one of my biggest problems with this, they put two defensemen out on a two-man advantage. They put Yandel and Ristolainen out there, which is an insane move to me. I don't understand that at all. That's just bonkers to me. Put four forwards out there. Put your most skilled guys. Put Let's five forwards out there. Put five, five. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like Keith Yandel really counts as a defenseman out there on the power play. How many shorthanded goals is he allowed at this point? It's ridiculous. Well, to be fair. Um, to be so, fair. To be fair. Uh, so, uh, Keith Yandel cannot do anything except for skate in like the top corner of the offensive zone and move the puck efficiently in that top corner of the offensive zone. Literally every other area of the, uh, of the ice, complete liability. So, yeah, he, he moves the puck around, and then he's not the guy to be able to put it in the net. And then with Risto, I think that there's there's so this, – this entire team is worried about – the market value of Risto plus or minus keeping him, making him feeling better to like to retain him or trade him or boost his value or something like that. So and none of that, like we we've seen that nothing's works. So you might as well just throw shit at the wall here. Yeah, I hear that. And other positive thing to look at, Carter Hart played amazing. You know, yeah. it's it's terrible that he's getting the Cole Hamels treatment and that like, you know, he gets <laughs> You got to score one goal. It's up to you to win the game. But, like, he played great. Yeah, it was a nice night for Carter Hart. Uh, 29 saves on 31 shots. And, I mean, you're not going to see better offensive talent than Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. No, no. And, you know, like, as streaky and as up and down as the Edmonton team is, they played, like, as well as an Edmonton team could play. 
granted the Flyers played regular Flyers hockey, which makes it easy against anybody. But, you know, the, the Edmonton played a great game and like that, uh, again, could have been worse. That could, that game could have easily been five or six nothing if it weren't for Carter. What a rough one. What a rough yep. one. Yep. James, you want to hang out and take some calls with us? Yeah. Yeah. I'll hang. Cool. Oh, All right. Perfect. I'm going to go to bed then. <laughs> All right. Hey, we'll figure it out. All I right. Love well, you all. Good night. Good night, Steph. All right. We got Patrick. who's going to be joining us. Patrick, how's it going tonight, my man? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Hello, James. Welcome to therapy. <laughs> Tell us about your mother. Go on. <laughs> my mother's name was Ed. It was very hard <laughs> on me in my youth. Do anything, um, Steve? That uh. That Aaron Rodgers talk on uh, Flight Perbally had me absolutely cracking up. <laughs> Stuff already, but just listening to somebody else. Oh, my God. It, it, you know, I, I was just obsessed with that whole, like, what did he, he ate butter until bad stuff happened? But, like, what are you doing, my man? <laughs> like, you're giving yourself, like, a, a stomach bug or something. I don't know. When I read this, and, and like this is a guy who I think two years ago I looked at and I I said like, oh like he's maybe one of the more likable players in the NFL. Who could hate Aaron Rodgers? And now I'm like, oh I see it. Like my dad always had a thing. My dad always hated Aaron Rodgers, and I was like, I, I don't understand, Dad. Like what's your problem? And then I went to him after everything happened. Like I think God was it earlier this year? Was it last year? Whenever it happened, and I was like, oh I get it, Dad. Okay, I'm sorry for having doubted you. Like, at what point does a person like that actively become that crazy? Like, you know what's not good for me? Conventional medicine. I'm going to find 50 ways to shit and puke myself. That's going to be the way. I don't know. Maybe he's suffering from long COVID or something. I don't know. No, no. He was, uh, he, but but did that give him COVID. the haircut? Did it give him, like, the worst long hair I've ever seen in my life? It did. <laughs> Yeah, he, he he's been off the reservation way before COVID, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gotten worse and it's 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 rough. But <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed the talk. I actually really enjoyed dunking on him during that that segment. Had me almost in tears. This <laughs> guy, it's it's absolutely wild. I guess yeah. Happy March first. Uh, I guess we're on a. Uh, Claude Giroux watch. Oh my god, that that hurts to say. It really does. It, it's so hard to face this reality out there tonight. So, I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's coming, man. We're, we're slowly chugging away towards it. I know, and the the acceptance is the hardest part here. And I, I think, luckily for me, I kind of accepted this reality about a month ago. And in a normal season he would already be gone and we could just be eating our feelings or however we deal with, with sadness around these parts, but we still have another couple weeks. And I mean, hopefully fingers crossed on this, we get to celebrate his Southend's game in the NHL. And unfortunately a lot of those games been miserable, but you know, this is a guy who I think has been so vastly underrated for most of his career in Philadelphia that, I, I would really love to honor him properly before he goes and, and show him just how much we, we do appreciate and love him. He is an all-time flyer. He has just been such a, a great force and such a pleasure to watch over the years. And man, it just sucks to think that in 
you know, just a couple weeks, he's not going to be in that orange and black anymore. But I'm also kind of happy for him. I'm definitely happy for him. I mean, uh, if you obviously, if, you know, it's heartbreaking, but I like to think of it as like the uh, kind of last scene in Go Will Hunting, like uh, the Flyers are like the shitty uh, uh, town of like Southie Boston where Ben Affleck, G is uh, 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 Matt Damon. And it's just like, I just want to see you leave, do well for yourself, no goodbyes, no see you laters, just gone. There you go. I like it. <laughs> the sad part is like that one. I don't know when it was during the game, but like when they cut to him, he was just like you could see on his face, and he's like, it's like man. Oh yeah, well, like it's the whole thing. My favorite thing, by favorite, I mean one of the saddest things, is the the progression of Claude Giroux team pictures over the years and how. <laughs> It starts out with the, like, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, oh, gee, hockey's fun! And then, you know, it starts to just slowly morph into, like, oh, this is bad. Oh, this is really bad. Oh, my God, the Flyers are mediocre. Hell. Oh, they are actual literal hell. Yeah, that man is tired, and it, it, you can see it. It's, it's like the, uh, the Obama, like, aging picture from, like, his first term to his last. <laughs> so, so the comparison is that <laughs> Flyers hockey ages you like the U.S. presidency. <laughs> It's, Flyers it's, captain in the U.S. presidency, the two hardest jobs in the world. There are positions with very low public approval ratings. There you go. <laughs> That's true. But I guess uh, another thing. I guess I'm hoping. I'm hoping since Tampa Bay was there, we we give we give them Justin Braun. But it, it's going to be funny though. Like, what if we do trade Risto and Justin Braun? I hope God. I hope we trade Risto because like that rumored contract we gave him. Sheesh. Oh, sh- I want no part of that. Oof. And I want the entire, not the entire defense, but I would be perfectly okay if we were just fielding just the first guys who showed up at the Wells Fargo Center for the defense for the rest of the season at this point. Because, you know, what we were talking about earlier is just, you know, the lack of like it factor and everything with these guys. And this defense that had some promise coming into the season before we found out that Ryan Ellis doesn't have legs anymore, it, it, you know, it really has not come anywhere close to promise. And that's like the number one thing that I really want to drastically change is this defense. And yeah, trade Braun, trade Risto. I'm even down to trade Provia, which makes me really sad because a couple of years ago, I thought Provia was absolutely the dude. And, you know, now I'm perfectly okay with trading him. I mean, with Ivan Provorov, like, I get it. But like, he eats up like 25 minutes a night. Like, that. that's fine. It's... I mean, I don't know. Could we could we talk more about Provorov here for a second? So, um, I, I'm glad you mentioned that he 25 minutes a night, and like you know, the, the, and th- that was the whole thing with the uh, Sanheim like arbitration hearing. Like that guy's gonna get paid because he pay, uh, plays like 20, 25 minutes a night. But you know, there's the, it's such an artificial value because like, is he uh, of those 25 minutes, how many good minutes of hockey is he playing? And Especially now with with Provorov, he like he's literally falling down on himself like out there, and he just he every time the puck comes near him, it's like a goddamn grenade, and he can't get. I've seen pee wee kids handle the puck with more poise than Provorov these days. Now that that's hyperbolic, of course, but at the same time, if you think about the logical conclusion of what Provorov could be, what his contract's up in what two years, three years, and number one NHL defenseman get paid eight and a half, nine and a half million dollars. Are you going to pay that much money for this kind of like pro for off right now? 
No, not a chance to know. Sell high on him then. I'm down for selling anybody at this point because, you know, I've given more leeway to the GMs in the past few years than most. But, like, clearly whatever they've done has not worked. This team is bottoming out right now. They are only a few points away from the bottom in the NHL. <laughs> Montreal's recent surge has actually brought the Flyers closer to them. And it's it's wild to me that we're even talking about that. Let's see, Provorov, Provorov's got four years left, actually. Four years, oof. At uh, 6.75. And you know what? It, like, I know we're not supposed to bring up Hextall's name anymore, but Provorov, Prov, this right now, it's this price of Provorov, 6.75, you can live with that. But no okay. way would I pay him anymore. No, not a chance at all. I feel like if you do trade him, you're going to have to maybe take some salary. <laughs> I mean, no. it's possible, but you know, I, I'm, I'm also fine just holding on to him. I wouldn't make any trade where I had to hold on to salary for him. Like, I think he's one of those guys that you don't trade unless somebody blows you away with an offer. Right, especially at, at like, because worst case scenario is that he turns out to be worse, but like more likely outcome, he's got to be some kind of like relative area of play, plus or minus what he is now. Best case scenario is he, he goes back to being what he uh, was. And in four years, it's 6.75. That's a steal. I'll tell you what. My first question in the interview for the next Flyers head coach, though, is will you play Ivan Provorov on the power play? And if they say Oof. yes, no job. Get out of here. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this, but you know he plays with like a longer stick? Because yes. Like defense better. That does not help him on the power play. Absolutely. <laughs> It, it, even more concerning, it doesn't help him in his own zone. So, like, when you see him lose his 50-50 battles, but, like, in and around his own net, it's because he can't get enough leverage because he has to pull his top hand so much higher to be able to get the puck out of his feet. By the time he's able to do that, like, the, the NHL is a game of, like, microseconds, right? So by the time he's able to actually get his, like, stick in a place where he can actually touch the puck, he's already lost the battle. Oh, yeah. Definitely, but I guess I'll get one more thing because I'm rambling a bit and I'm gonna get, about to go on my third setup. Getting haze, by the way. But uh, I've been I've been scrolling around Twitter. Do you, do you think we trade TK? Because there's a rumor saying the Kings are interested. Oh man, I've seen a lot on TK over the years. I've, I've seen a lot on TK, and he's a guy I always go back and forth on. You know, I, I like him in theory, right? Like I think he. When he's working at his best, he's scoring goals. He's pissing guys off. He is like a lesser Marshand in a lot of respects, you know, which I love. I love having a guy that draws penalties and pisses people off. But I, I feel like you don't see that guy nearly enough. He's a quiet third on this team in points. Uh, I think a quiet – the other day he was first in assists. I'll have to see if he still is. But it, it, that doesn't matter. It's all about trading him or not. And I think most of these guys – if the right offer comes along, I am not hesitating. And he's definitely one of those guys where if the right offer comes along, if somebody wants to pay market value for him, I'm down for that. I would even say that like, even if you've got market value, the Flyers have to definitively win that trade. Because the thing is, if you, like, if you trade TK, you have to replace TK. Is he going to be the 30-40 goal scorer or Brad Marchand Jr. that we wanted him to be? Probably not at this point, but you still need him back in the lineup to rebuild to whatever it is you think this team is going to be. Otherwise, we're just cycling in the same crap over and over. Right, because while they're not necessarily superstars or studs, like Joel Farabee and Travis Konechny are still very, very useful top six forwards. 
Oh, absolutely. And but the, not only that, like even if we get all the picks in the world for him, like what have we just spent the last year or three years talking about? The Flyers suck shit at drafting. So yeah. <laughs> Like, don't throw away, like, the baby with the bathwater here. This this kid that fell to you at 24 in the first round, keep him. Yeah, I hear that. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's all I got. But uh, I'm unfortunately going to the game Saturday for the T-shirt. So, but, yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully you can just uh... – I was just—I was going to try to come up with some sort of Thanos snap joke, but anyway, enjoy, enjoy Iron Gritty. I mean, it's a nice three o'clock game, and they actually might have a decent chance against Chicago. So uh, who knows? And it's going to be springish outside, so you might even be able to enjoy some sunshine. I hope you come back for post game with Bill James. <laughs> Thanks. Oh yeah, Bill. Bill will be back. He's just having a little time off. So thank you for joining us. We got another caller. We got Harris. Going to add him now. Hey, Steve. Oh, hey, James. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Hearing you loud and clear, Harris. How are you tonight? Doing fine. I wasn't able to watch the game. I had other stuff going on. Oh, you um, you lucked out, believe me. Um, How do you get shut out by Edmonton, who have two of the worst goalies for starters slash 1B guys in the league? Like, how do you get shut out? Like, I know they had 39 shots on that. I, I read some of Charlie's tweets. He said that, like, they weren't creating dangerous enough opportunities. Is that what happened? Yes, 100%. So first off, Harris, uh, quick side note. I love your little uh, uh, icon here. It's the, uh, the Danny Heatley clap bomb from, like, below the circle. Oh, yeah, the Rockstar Zone pick. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. one of the love greatest it. pictures or screen grabs <laughs> in human history. Just uh, give me the rock, man. To Steve, to your connect me point, uh, and I don't know if it was the caller brought up Marchand or maybe it was you, but, like, I don't know if connect me has that same dedication level, like, to the craft and becoming the guy that Marshawn became. And to, to be fair, Marshawn didn't become like the Marshawn we know now until his age 28 year old season. So that's still another three and a half, four years for, for connecting to become that. Cause he's in his age 24 season. So yeah. like mm-hmm. maybe you don't trade him because you, you're going to be patient. You're waiting for him to develop into what he's becoming. But like, I don't know if he, uh, does he have that same eye of that tiger, the edge that Marshawn has? Because, like, Marshawn trains with McKinnon and Crosby every offseason in Halifax. Like, I, I don't know if Konechny has that same, like, killer instinct. Well, Harris, think about it this way. Because, like, if we're going to continue to go down the Marshawn sort of comparison route, and, like, uh, that's a great point regarding, like, his development where he is in the age. But you also have to, like, think about what that Bruins team was versus what this Flyer team is. Like, Marshawn coming up, like, he was, like, the fourth or fifth guy, like the, there was Bergeron. Like at one time there was Mark Savard, there was Lucic, there was like all these other, like Krejci, Krejci, all these other dudes that were like, they were like catching, like carrying that load. So that creates a much different environment to develop in and incubate under than what TK is doing right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very true. And it's, um, TK, like you see, you see the talent there. You see like the offensive ability that he was known for when he played for the Ottawa 67s in junior. Um, but the inconsistency, it, it's part of the reason why he fell to 24. Like he was projected to be a top 10 pick going into his draft year. And then he fell because he didn't produce as much as he should have. No, he um, fell because he's 5'11". And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, that uh, um, the his time in the 67s because like, for a while, that's what Hextall was doing. He was just going to the uh, uh, CHL prospects game, and he just picked the MVP. As I recall, Konechny had like a fight in like two, like 
three points in that game. And like the next year, he picked uh, Pascal Labarge because he also played well in that game. Yeah, uh, should have taken Dabrinkit. Uh, no, played no, played no, junior no, hockey thanks. in the same state on the other side of the state to be fair, <laughs> but in Erie, Pennsylvania, dominated yeah, for yeah. two straight seasons, and uh, he fell because of his size. But so many teams are regretting passing on uh, Dabrinkit because I mean, yes, the Blackhawks are wasting his talent, but at the same time, like Dabrinkit would would have helped probably twenty teams of now thirty two win a cup at this point with the talent he has. It's just he went to the Blackhawks at the wrong time. But uh, I mean. I, don't know. I have an interesting question in the chat here from uh, Warren, who asked if Bobby Brink can replace TK in the lineup. With Brink, I mean, he he like had a kind of down sophomore year. I mean, he's having a, like a very good junior year at Denver, although he is older. So uh, to be fair, um, that he has that extra year of development. But like, it's a very good sign. Like when you see that project production jump. Um, like it, he's definitely very close to NHL ready. You'd hope he signs after his season at Denver's done. Uh, I don't, I haven't watched enough of Brink. I think he's a little bit, he, he has some of the same aspects, but we'll just have to see how he fits in when he gets to Lehigh Valley or gets to the Flyers. Cause I mean, there are a lot of forwards that the Flyers have in the prospect pool that, um, will be right there competing for a spot. It just really depends on what they do at the trade deadline and how much they move in the offseason. Are they going to, do what they did like trading some of the way to open up that spot. Like they did with trading Braden Shen to open up the Nolan Patrick spot or like it, it really, and Brink has to prove that he is NHL ready when he gets to camp. Assuming. Oh, sure. And you know, we talked about TK size, right. Being a factor Brink's five, nine, like he's mm. a tiny guy. You know, it's interesting about Brink, um, particularly in his draft year. So when the flyers took uh, 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 Cam York and passed on Cam York, like, uh, oh, I'm no. sorry, oh, Cole, yeah. Cole, Cole, uh, Caulfield. Cole Caulfield. It's all the C names, Americans. <laughs> the C- well, that's what got everybody at the draft party. It's like, uh, from Team USA or American. <laughs> Ca- oh, it's going to be, it's going to be Cole Caulfield. No, it's Cam York. What the? <laughs> no, but, but honestly, like, I, and obviously I have no way to substantiate this, but I really think that, the, like, that they're trying to galaxy brain themselves and take, like, uh, uh, Bobby Brink as like a Foreman Mills, Cole Caulfield. It's like, yeah, they're kind of the same guy, and this we might not have the quite the finishing touch, but they kind of have the same game. So why why spend the draft capital? You just um, said a Foreman Mills, Cole Caulfield. I I just need to highlight that because that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that so much. Foreman Mills, <laughs> score those goals. <laughs> well, you know, play play to the market, and like, what's it discount mean? Foreman Mills. That's right, baby. Uh, yeah, you get a, a flyer shirt that's like, is that a red or an orange? I mean, I guess it's close enough. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. In Brink, like, yeah, he's small, and that's why he wasn't a first-rounder. But, like, he – so in his draft, um, D-1 year, like, he was playing mostly high school hockey. Then he goes to the USHL in his, his draft year, has that monster production jump that – the only guys that I've really seen that from going from high school to the USHL uh, and then really turned it on to pro, well, to the NCAA and then to pro are Jake Gensel and Johnny Gaudreau. So they're kind of looking for that, okay, here's – he goes from a much lower level to a much higher – the junior A level, dominates, and then, like, he's gone to Denver. He's, uh, this is his third year. Like, he shouldn't be in that range to maybe not be a Gensel or – Gaudreau, but like he definitely has that scoring upside and maybe he ends up being a third liner, but uh, he has the grittiness where he can play middle six and have a lot of scoring upside, maybe a very good power play option. And he's going to give you that energy that you really need uh, to kind of drive the bus. Oh, but Harrison, that's a great point, though, because him playing in Denver and developing down there is like you know, he's not a big guy, but like that, that's the whole appeal to doing D1 hockey versus uh, CHL, like as especially as a smaller guy. It's a longer development curve. Yeah, it's well, not only is it a longer development curve, but you're playing against men. So like older know, players. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah like because unless you unless you're one of these like uh, uh, national development guys like. There are very few true freshmen. Your 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 uh, freshman skaters there are usually like 22 years old. And like they drop their own kids off at the rink before they go to practice because they're they're grown ass men, right? So it's um it's always interesting to see who can make the jump from D1 to to AHL to then thusly NHL. But I, I think if for uh, a strategy, I think Brink's doing the right thing. And I. I you know, I only get to watch like a very small handful of like clips or like some Denver games here and there, but he's controlling pace of play. I would even say, and granted, like it's not the, it's not the same with Cole Caulfield, but he right now he looks like as a, a better play driver than Cole Caulfield did when he was playing with Wisconsin, because Caulfield at Wisconsin, unless he had the puck on his stick and he was shooting, he was useless on every other facet of the game. Yeah. Um... I think Brink has that more well-rounded game, maybe not the same offensive ceiling, obviously, but he has like you, how the U S used him on that third line to win the world junior in 2021. I forget who they had with him, but they used him in like a shutdown that kind that ducks um, Paulson uh, Niedermeyer Moen type of role And like Brink didn't produce as much as maybe you wanted him, but they put him in that defensive role. So he's obviously mature enough where he can play that role. And then he's showing this year he's popped off to where he, he should have the scoring upside. And it just depends again, like where they slot him in the lineup and the flyers just really haven't been great at the, uh, the de- development at the AHL and NHL level with different management, different player or different people in the, um, the Phantoms organization and on the flyers coaching staff as well. You hope that's a little bit different, but it is something to note. And, uh, well, that, that, that's just it, you know, because like, like Kelly and everyone else is saying on the main show, like, you know, what the problem Morgan Frost is, if he can't like shoot the lights out, then what is he? Yeah, right, and, right. but but you look at you look at Radcliffe and um, and Frost, they were under a point per game in the O in their draft year. That's never a great sign for mm-hmm. picking that high. I mean, Jason Robertson won a few picks 
behind Radcliffe, he would have been a much better pick. His offensive production in the O was much better. Uh, of course, the skating issue was there, but look at what Jason Robertson's doing with Dallas. It's another thing. I mean, like, yeah, Radcliffe has the size. It, the Flyers and Bill always brings this up, and they bring it, and Charlie's brought up on the main show as well that um, they've gone for a lot of quote unquote safer picks where they think, okay, maybe the ceiling is a, a bit higher, even though the offensive production may not be quite as high, at least in the draft year. Um, but then they're not going for the big ticket guys that really, even though, yeah, they can bust out, they can be an Angelo Esposito, but they could be a Braden Point. Like they took Abe Kubel in that second round of 2014, and Braden Point was. The, the best offensive producer on the board. They didn't take him. I know we went in the third round. A lot of teams passed on him, but it's just like we, we've seen this point with Braden Point, with Debrinkit, with Jason Robertson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they've gone with, okay. Um, I mean, they got to take some swings, team. right, is the thing. Like they need to take some goddamn swings and they yeah. just keep playing it safe. And I, I do like the um, Tuamala. I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Tuamala, yeah. however the Finns Tuamala, pronounce it. I believe, is correct. Yeah, Tuamala, um, because he's a very good skater. He can shoot the puck. I, I think they're drafting under Fletcher and his scouting staff. I'm not sure if it's the same as it was for Excel, but the drafting has been better. It just we'll see how that pans out. Um, because it, it certainly feels like they they've got a little bit more skill based. Like at least they're taking they're aiming a little bit higher as far as skill goes under Fletcher than they did with Hextall. And I think the um, the Kolosov, the goalie pick from Belarus, I think he, with at least his production, uh, his numbers in the K have been very impressive. I know it's a it, the goalie buy it or favored league where goalies put up better stats, but he's already at such a young age in his 17, 18-year-old season there. Like he's, he's playing really well. I mean, that, that could be a potential steal, and I think they've now – drafted well enough in the goalie position where they definitely will have options to be the backup for Carter Hart. And that that's just something that the Flyers rarely have had in their history. So uh, that's another thing. But yeah, I mean, will Fletcher be around to see like the fruits of his scouts drafting and his decision-making? Maybe not, but... Um, He's got a blank check. Who knows? It, it's really interesting <laughs> to see like of the bottom four teams currently in the Metro, um, I think the Islanders, Islanders are in the worst spot. But then after that, like the Devils and Blue Jackets have some good, very good young players on the roster and, and prospects coming. And the Flyers are in this kind of weird middle where they definitely have good prospects coming, but the current team's bad. And I, I don't know where, where they go. And it's like, are they, is their future better than the Devils and Blue Jackets? Or is it sort of the middle? I think it's better than the Islanders, but. Like, where do the Flyers stand? And and I know the Penguins will eventually decline. I think the Capitals already are starting to decline. I watched the Capitals-Leafs game last night. They're very slow compared to the Leafs. But, like, it, the Hurricanes and Rangers are at the top of the division. Who's going to jump into those next two spots after that? And then the wild cards will play themselves out. It's, it's very interesting to kind of project. Yeah, I mean, the Devils certainly worry me in that regard because, I mean – They've certainly had some high-level picks, Jack Hughes in particular. And he looks and like a superstar now. He looks he, like a superstar. Yeah, he's oh, really he's starting probably, to click, and yeah. I hate it. Yeah. And he's, like, fun to watch, and I hate that, too. Oh, yeah. And they have Jesper Brad on their roster. I mean, Holtz is in the AHL, and Luke Hughes is coming. Yeah, they, they do have a lot there, and they're going to get another high pick. Uh, the Flyers will get a high pick this year. Um, they, they do have pieces, but part of – what they need to do is just make the right decisions at the trade deadline, make the right decisions in the off season and kind of free up money and 
well, that's probably going to take a JVR buyout. I don't think anyone's going to want JVR unless you're giving the Coyotes like more picks like you did for, for Ghost. And like that's not something you want to do because like you're a bad team this year. You're giving up a fairly high second to the Coyotes. The Coyotes, Coyotes have like eight picks in the first two rounds. Like that, that just looks bad that, yeah, you gave away Ghost for free, who's having a very good offensive year in Arizona because they're like, Ghost, do whatever the hell you want, just play offense. And like the Flyers have, didn't, haven't done that in a while. And like you, you gave them a pick as well. So um, very interesting to, to see. But they don't have an NHL arena, so screw but, that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, all those guys might be playing for the Coyotes next year. They only have like two forwards or like four forwards under contract next year. So like even from like a complete burn it down standpoint, I'm very curious to how they're going to feel the team next year. Well, like they'll, they'll sign guys for right, sure. But, um, but they're going to have to like oversign guys too. So it's just oh, oh they, they will. But yeah. like they're also, they have Maybe some They should do my idea to just sign all of the old Penguins. Bring back Kessel. Bring in Malkin. Overpay for Malkin. <laughs> overpay for Latang. Just bring in all the Penguins from like the past few years. Well, I think they'll they'll sign a lot of guys and they'll trade for some like guys who are like pending UFAs in 2023. That would be who like they can trade the next deadline. But they'll like sign guys to one year deals so that they can trade them at the deadline. Like they're going to get a good amount for Kessel. Like no one's talked about like the Kessel trade, which is going to happen. But like they're gonna have even more picks than they do now. Uh, I think yes, they're just gonna have to sign some guys uh, to like bad deals and whatnot, or like overinflated deals. But they'll spend to the floor. They're gonna have a ton of assets. Yes, they're playing in like an NCAA A rink, which is obviously not ideal, and it's like kind of an embarrassment to the league, or it is. Oh, it's absolutely like, like, embarrassing. <laughs> like five thousand seats. Like the the Coyotes, while like they're a lot of, a lot of turmoil, they've actually set up a pretty good rebuild from like a, like a team structural perspective, like the, all the other noise, like it's, it's a joke, of course, but the guys are in an interesting spot. And um, they've certainly ruined some bets of mine. Lately. <laughs> like, it's a team that like from the outside, you're like, this is a garbage team, but then you watch some of their games. So they, I mean, they're more they fun to watch than the flyers. I think they, they play hard. Like they play hard. Yeah. And I, I like Keller and ghost looks like he's having a blast there. Yeah. Um, like Lawson Krause has been somehow good for them, uh, like the last year and a half or whatever. Um, I like Vimelka. I think he's got. I think he's a good goalie. I mean, is he going to be like? This, is this a fifteen minutes? Whatever. But like he he he's he looks like he could be a regular NHL goalie. Well, like the Coyotes are almost acting as an expansion franchise in a way. So like they with like all the young players and journeymen, like some guys will emerge and, and like become regulars and like real players for them it, it it's an interesting situation to follow but yeah the flyers going back to them oh, uh, I, just, yeah, I, I wonder nice. where like they're gonna end up in the metro like years to come i know like lots of things will change and whatnot but like the, the clear path for them isn't quite there like yes the penguins the capitals are slash will decline the the islanders are obviously in a terrible spot the Devils and Blue Jackets should get better. The, like the Rangers and Hurricanes will stay very good, most likely. Like where the Flyers go. Right, I agree with you, Harris. But I also don't want to be like that guy and be like the person who says, "Well, just imagine if this team has like a healthy Couturier or Hayes and Ellis, whoever that guy is." Right. Well, they're probably um, still picking twelfth to fifteenth. They're in like the same well, spot they they've been in but, the Drury. Whether they pick twelfth, fifteenth, or tenth or whatever, like that doesn't really at least. 
probably won't help us for the next two to three years. No. So, like, to, to your point, what are the flyers going to be in the Metro in those next two, like, next two to three years? Like, I, I think getting those big horses back really helps. But um, even more concerning, as we kind of been talking about it, is just, like, where's the – it's just been the, the problem with the flyers' construction over the last 10 years in that you have, like – your 30 year olds, your veterans, your 20 year olds, and there's no like middle. And that's the, that's the, uh, where we're having a lot of issues. So if Giroux's not on the ice, whatever who, like line he's carrying, then you got to rely on Jerry Mayhew to just like come out of nowhere to pick up the slack. It's not a good bet. Yeah. No, and and no. like the fact it, that Mayhew's like our number one storyline this year really sums it up. And I think Wade Allison would have had a very good year all around. Oh, and man. Healthy. But I, um, like what, what that he just guy become? cannot stay healthy. Will he he can. play, more than, will he play more than sixty games a year. Will he play more than sixty? And he's so fun to watch. And like he's a blast. He was easily the best part of last season. Like I can't. It sucks. And I just don't trust that he's ever going to be able to play sixty plus games a year until he actually shows me he can do that. And I I simply don't trust it right now. Now he's uh he's the uh, Robert Frost poem uh, the candle that br- uh, burns too bright you know it's just you know, like he, he's sensational he's out there but like man he he's just not meant for this world. Uh, and, and <laughs> Steve like you know Steve you know more than me like where where do we sit with Forrester like his health I mean his development's been um stagnated a bit with the health and and COVID and whatnot. Um, but like he was such a fun prospect in his draft year because he really shot up the boards, had that great CHL top prospects game. He's just a sniper with Brant Clark feeding him the puck. And like he it looked like, oh my gosh, the Flyers, they finally picked the guy who's gonna score all the power play goals, has that Kovalchuk type of shot, Kovalchuk light type of Atlanta shot. So like where where's Forrester go? Like, is he ever gonna reach his ceiling or like is he not gonna Reach well, it because of stagnation. I, I only know as much as the great Maddie Campbell tells me, but you know, Matt, Maddie's very high on Forrester, and you know, his injury was very unfortunate, but he's working his way back from that. I, I don't, from what I've heard, I'm not sure he's going to be back this season, but I mean, he is a very exciting player. I, I think his development's coming along pretty nicely. And the big thing is, like, he's got that shot, man, and that is everything because this team really needs, they need a sniper. And if it's a sniper that can't shoot, well, find a spot for him on the ice and figure it out. But, I mean, last time I talked to Maddie on the subject, and I'll have to get back together with her soon to do a a Phantoms update. But, I mean, she seemed pretty happy with his overall – I mean, it sucks this injury happened. But his overall progression so far has been pretty good, and he is definitely aiming in the right direction. And the knock on him in his draft year and to this point still probably is his skating. It's like never been a strong point. Absolutely. If he becomes like at least a break even level skater and not, not a complete tire fire in his own zone. Like his ceiling very well could be Mike Hoffman. And Mike Hoffman's not good in his own zone for the most part, but he's a 30 goal scorer pretty much every year. Like he just wakes up and scores 30 goals. So if like Tyson Forrester can be that, like that's a great thing to have. Even though like it's not the 200 foot player and like the the best five on five production. Like if you can be Mike Hoffman, like there's not a ton of those. So oh hell yeah, the Flyers like, need that. Jake Voracek didn't really play defense, but I mean he's built a great career for himself and he doesn't yeah. even score goals. He just yeah. has apples all day. Yeah, it's 50 to 60 assists his whole career. What's he up to this year? Is he up to two goals this season? I think he, he has <laughs> two goals in Columbus and he has like 41 assists. I think. He had one or two assists tonight. 
That, that line is... looks very good, though. The line A, Jenner, and Vorjack. Oof. They oh, because that's a great combination. You know, yeah. Boone Jenner is a, a really good, solid two-way player. And then you've got Line A, who's the sniper, and Voracek, who's just willing to feed people assists all day. Like it, They're all just doing their jobs. And I would love if Forrester could do the Line A job on that type of line. Because you can get a responsible two-way center, a Sean Couturier type, to, to really cover for yeah. those deficiencies. Whoa, yeah. whoa, Steve, you're trying to tell me that you got to make a hockey team of players of various other abilities versus being steady two-way players, 200-foot players? Oh, hockey wow. Time. Yeah, all Scott Lawtons, and that's all I'm going to draft for four years. Um, yeah, and Voracek, the, to some people's surprise, he uh, his skating has not declined. Um, it looked like there it, it was probably going to fall off. I, he's playing so much. Like I watched a good amount of Columbus games. He's playing so much more freely, like with less pressure, with less people like in his face. Less Philadelphia beat writers. Beat writers and <laughs> beat writers and just like fans on Twitter, like getting on his case. Like that's not really happening in Columbus. And I think he's just having fun. Like yeah, he he knows what the situation the Blue Jackets are, but he he played with the Blue Jackets. So he. Like he he enjoyed going back there. It's not like Jeff Carter getting traded to the Blue Jackets where oh he didn't want to go there, and like that's what set up this whole thing. Just gonna but, sulk about not being close to an ocean for a couple of years. For for I'm sorry, it was like two months. Yeah, I played God. 39 games in Columbus, <laughs> but like Line or Voracek is just is comfortable back where he started, and um, and I think it's it's a good trade for both teams. I mean, Cam at, at times just like disappears for a bit, but he has his scoring binges and yeah, he's, he's old. I mean, Voracek's old to some extent too. So, um, it's it easily to, been a highlight of the season for me. Like he's yeah. mm-hmm. a top three reason to watch this team. He, when he's clicking, he's so much fun. He is, I, I think he's my favorite flyer right now, to be totally honest with you. He's just a blast. He's a guy who just has like a lot of joy in his heart, despite the fact that this team is terrible. And he scored some great shorties this year. Like I love what Cam's brought and I'm glad Jake's doing well. I'm glad yeah. that trade worked out for both teams. He gets a shorthanded break every other game or a little bit, over every other game, sometimes every game, like it seems like he gets a shorthanded break. And like, that's, it's always fun to watch. Cause it reminds me of like that 1920 season where the flyers were good, where like, Hey, he's got a shorthanded break and Lawton did too. Like every My God. game. Like I really wish Hayes was healthy because that Hayes Atkinson PK combo would be lethal. Oh yeah. And um, speaking or er, tangent off of Hayes, I think, Everyone in Philadelphia has to be like the biggest, and, and it scares me. I think Calgary might make a run this year, but everyone's got to be in Philadelphia's got to be cheering against Calgary because if they choke again, which is very possible, but mm-hmm. the Southern team might not because like they're built to actually go deep this year. If the Flames choke again, it makes it much much more likely that Gaudreau will leave, and Hayes would obviously recruit him, and obviously the South Jersey thing for Gaudreau, he could come home if they free up the cap space. Oh, that Hayes crew. That man is just the number one recruiter, and it's a shame Keith Yandel is part of it because he's been rough. But, I mean, you know, it is fun to have guys that want to come here. I'm very torn on Gaudreau for next year because, you know, obviously he's going to command a big salary, but, you know, he's a great hockey player and certainly has that high-end offensive talent we're looking for. But I'm just not sure. He, obviously, he's also going to command a huge contract. I mean, that's like a seven-year contract if you're signing him. And uh, I do you, do you I know offhand he, how old Johnny Gaudreau is? So Gaudreau is in the 2011 draft, so he's in 93 birth year, which would make him turning 29 this year. Hmm. Um, yeah. Make me ancient. 
And and then also, I, I think Gaudreau with Philadelphia, I think that might be the one team where he, yes, he's probably going to want the term. I think the AAV could be lowered because of the, the actual home de- hometown discount. Ooh, the shit hometown discount. Maybe, maybe he won't, but I could just see him taking, like, right. like, he, like on the open market, it's 9 to 10. Like, I could see him taking 8 in Philadelphia. 8, that's a... To Steve's point, that feels pricey for, to me, particularly like if could maybe it won't be in the next two years, but years three through seven are going to be tough. I, 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 he's such a dynamic skater, and I don't see it aging that badly. Where I still think he's going to be often like pretty right. offensively. Because there's, there's one sneaky good thing about Gaudreau is he doesn't miss a lot of games, and you know we're talking about little guys that play D1 hockey like that. That's like uh, I'm I'm about as big as he is. I'm five seven, like one sixty. So like yeah, yeah. The the thing with Gaudreau is when he was drafted, I'm using absolute steal. But he there are about ten teams that were not in the right spot to draft him and add him to the puzzle. Calgary was one of them. If if he goes to like twenty of the other thirty teams at the time, or twenty of the other twenty nine teams at the time, he probably wins a cup. But Calgary, like they've over relied on him to uh, to be that number one guy when he's actually a number two. Because like in the playoffs, he's like Johnny isn't that good. Like he he's not the like in the regular season when sorry, like not everyone cares about every regular season game the same way. And like the game's tighter checking, people will be more physical um, in the playoffs. Like he's just not as good. And in the the regular season, when it's like freewheeling and there's a lot more open ice and no one hits for the most part, at least um, most of the time, like Johnny's going to dominate. Um, That's true. And, and in the playoffs, even if he is up there physically, you could shadow him, like strategize against him yeah. better because yeah. if you cut him off, that cuts the flow off. Yeah, and, and that's like the thing. Like Calgary very well may get shut down in a seven game series against a um, Vegas, for example, because like they're game planning for that. I, I think, um, but yeah, Gaudreau's career, they, they, they both relied on him so much and they haven't gotten far. So like if they, if they choke again, uh, I could see him leaving, but I also don't know, like how much does he actually like Calgary? I mean, it seems like to some extent he obviously signed there out of NCAA. He didn't pull an Adam Fox in, in demand to like go with his preferred team. He could have done that with Philadelphia. Um, How much does he like saddles? It's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. the thing, okay. So obviously, you know, if he's deficient in the playoffs, you got to just sign Risto to that six by six contract. And then because the playoffs is where he theoretically shines that when I listened to the, the Elliot Friedman clip earlier about Risto line and potentially like, well, it feels like if he was in the playoffs, there he would be very. That I'm just like, oh my god, how it's can you like, say if for the? I this uh, hurt my brain. It's so the Uncle Rico was like, if Coach would have put me in for, we would have won state. Like, well, the the, the problem. Oh my god, I have to do an Uncle Uncle Rico Photoshop for Risto now. <laughs> See, like, Risto is simultaneously underrated by some because he does provide good aspects. But he's like massively overrated by a lot of people. Um, Risto, Schrodinger's cat as a player. Yeah, uh, Risolainen is like if he was in the right spot, playing as like the number three or four D, like on a good good team where like they can he gets with a good partner and he doesn't have to do quite as much. Yeah, he could be a very good playoff player. But um, 
Eric Chernak is way better than him. Eric Chernak oh, yeah. is also one of the most underrated defensemen in the league because of the where he plays and the um the players he plays behind. Um, like yeah, but he's a fifth defenseman down there. Like he like yeah. Well, Chernak like, also could play way higher in the lineup. And he's just oh yeah, he he was much our number one defenseman. Like he doesn't he doesn't. Just I'm not shooting on Eric Chernak. Don't well, get that, me wrong. That's the thing about a potential well, about these Ristolainen comments is Ristolainen wants to be the guy. He wants to be like the top guy, and he wants to prove that he can do that in the playoffs. And the thing is, to do that, obviously, if he's going to be a Philadelphia Flyer beyond this year, they're going to have to sign him, and he's going to want good money. And you know not to rehash this argument, but it's just like, that's such a big unknown right there. And Johnny Gaudreau, if he, if you know, he's bad in the playoffs, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily you want to make that, that large commitment to him because what's your goal at the end of the day, right? You obviously want to make the playoffs at all, because that's been a problem for this team over the past decade, but you want to win that cup and you want guys that are going to help you win that cup. Um, I, I, I'd sign Gaudreau any day of the week over Ristolainen. Oh, God, don't don't get me wrong there. I, you know, yeah, (laughs) that's apples and oranges right there. But like, you know, ultimately whatever the Flyers next big free agency move is, it has to be something that is a key cog in winning that cup. And if you're going to sign Gaudreau to good money, you know, that's really more my point is, Gaudreau would be a huge investment. I, I don't want to sign Risto no matter what. I just don't think uh, he is the number one guy. That I, I don't want to sign him for anything more than like four and a half, and I don't even want to sign him to that. That's just my opinion. Uh, but as far as Gaudreau goes, that's why I'm on the fence because I'm just not sure he is – I really love him. He is a fantastic player, but – I'm just not sure he's the guy to get you over the hump for that Stanley Cup quest. No, but it, you need the num- you need another guy that that leads the charge, and will the Flyers have that? So you don't want to put Gaudreau in the exact same spot he's been in, in Calgary with with Ristolainen. Going back to that point, um, yeah, like he's had like decent offensive production, but like those are a lot of empty points. Where like some like Bill always says, someone has to score. Like Kyle Calder scored the bunch one year, and like obviously was never the same. Like someone had to yeah. score goals, and and like pass it to someone else on the power play. That's what Risto did. He, he's, he's not a goal scoring defenseman. Like he, he passes the puck, gets some secondary assists, gets some primary assists, but it's mostly on the power play. Like, I don't Gaudreau, actually care about Gaudreau his drives play. Gaudreau drives play. Like you can say, yeah, he's yeah. Not the best defensive forward, obviously, but like oh, sure, Gaudreau, sure. Gaudreau is that, that player that you've been missing. Well, I mean, obviously Giroux has had that in, in various points. Um, the 2017, 18 season, and obviously the um, 11-12 season for for Giroux. But, like, you need another kind of Danny Briere type. Um, oh, sure, sure. But, well, then again, when we signed Danny Briere back in the late aughts there, you know, like, I, I don't think we even knew Danny Briere was going to end up being Danny Briere. That was a similar signing. That's actually a good comparison point right there. But Danny Briere ended up being one of the best clutch performers I've ever seen in my life. And well, he was really Danny good, and he was really good in Buffalo. And the problem in Buffalo's never recovered since this offseason. Oh yeah, they, they had to make the decision: Are you signing Drury or Briere? And I can't remember the full details on it. No, they lost both. Went, Drury went to yeah, they lost both. Yeah, yeah, I know, Drury I know. went to the Rangers. Yeah, but no, I'm getting to the point. They. Yeah. 
they had to make that decision, Drury Briere, and I don't remember who it was, but they pissed off one because they were talking more to the other. The other didn't sign, and the other one just fucked off to to Philly or New York, so they both they lost both instead of getting at least one, and Buffalo's never recovered. Well, and the that, biggest the biggest difference, and this is a great like debate to have like Goudreau versus like uh, Aristo, but the biggest difference between like these signings and when we signed Briere is that there's a hard cap now, and the reason well, why this is no, like, that was a hard big, cap. That, that was a hard was cap. Was it a hard cap? Yes, yeah, so oh, okay. it was. 07 offseason, it was a hard cap. But, like, right. not well, many guys were making any money at the time. It was a much smaller cap, so you had a bunch of guys on, like, very deals. Well, I think the, the point more I'm interesting – oh, sorry. I'll let you finish, James. Oh, yeah. Just, real quick, the point – yeah, the point is, like, like we probably can't have both of Risto and or uh, uh, John Hockey no, there. You don't, you don't want Risto. Like, you're signing – No, I don't either. Drew, you're signing out JVR. Yes, unfortunately, we're thinking with the uh, warped mind of Chuck Fletcher right here. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good old Chucky too trades. Now, I was just – so the interesting thing about the Briere signing, though, is I think the Flyers had a much better framework to make that leap to the next level than they do currently. Because yeah. if you look at the framework of the team back then, you had Mike Richards, you had Jeff Carter, you had Claude Giroux on the way. Yoni uh, Pickinen. You had – Oh, Yoni Pickinen. You had Luke Wall and Upshaw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you the, know, the it, Legion of Poon line, the Legion of the Poon. Legion of Poon. <laughs> uh, the old city crew. What a what a good time right there. And then you had the moves for Kimo Timonen and Scott Hartnell and everything. It's just a, a better framework. And this team, I don't know. I, I really have reached the point with this team where I just kind of want to scrap most of it and start anew. And unfortunately for me, I kind of feel like you can't sign a Johnny Gaudreau right now because I think you're just going to need a couple more years before you can make that key signing. I love Johnny Gaudreau though. And I would love to see him come back to the flyers, you know, bring him home and it would be great for the fans. I just don't know if you can make enough moves in the off season to, to really make that uh, your key move. So, so really what you need to do is, is just have uh, Kevin Hayes camp out at, at Johnny's summer home in South Jersey. On, on the water or wherever or wherever he is, and just have him camp out there and just bug the hell out of him until he signs for under market value with the Flyers. Okay, so well, so one year contract at, uh, at, at bare bones contract, one year for Johnny Gaudreau, Claude Giroux, just to, a, a, assemble a bunch of great mercenaries for a year, '97 Florida Marlins style, but for very little money, and then just pay them. I don't know through some backdoor alley method. No, well, you just you give Johnny like everyone in, in South Jersey and Philadelphia um, gives Johnny all the sponsorship and all the promotion, the, money, the all, all the advertisements. All we're the gonna money. pay Johnny hockey and South Philly gravy. He's gonna love it. Cheesesteaks, um, donkeys. He could be the donkey spokesman. And then yeah, he signs for three million for three years or four years or whatever. Like, it's like the uh, 2001 Avalanche with Paul Korea and uh, Timo Solani. Two thousand four. Oh, so it was four. It, it's all blurred. I mean, oh, one is the uh, uh, Ray Bork year. But yes, it's, uh, but um, but yeah, just let's let's just uh, like the friendship tour continues. Yeah, you you get um, who, who's another UFA after this year? I don't even remember. Oh, I, I, yeah, Malkin. Oh my god! Complete heel turn. I bring him walking. The most hideous flyer of all time. If Getty Malkin is here, Roman Chetmonic is the hit, most hideous flyer of all time. It is um. <laughs> Who's, he has one eyebrow. Yeah, it, it's not a pretty man. Like him and like uh, Mr. Bean. I always, I always like, I would always yell at the TV. Why is Mr. Bean in the net? So you bring in, you bring in Kadri and Gaudreau on one-year deals. 
Oh, or Forsberg. Forsberg and Gaudreau on one-year deals. Forsberg is a very interesting one. I, I'm curious to see if the Preds deal him before the deadline. I, because the, the Predators are a good team. I mean, they have lost a few games here, but like they, they, they're on pace to make the playoffs as long as they don't fall apart and Dallas doesn't go on a, a monster heater and a couple other teams don't do that. But, like, the Preds should make the playoffs. Is that good enough for them? I don't know. But, like... Are they confident that Forsberg resigns? I mean, I think he likes it there, but will they be able to offer him the money that he wants as a UFA? So, I mean, that that's going to take a lot of teams out of the race because uh, if he wants the the close to maximum money uh, or the over market value money or whatever, yeah, David Poyle is a sneaky dick too. Like he doesn't pay dudes. <laughs> like and and I think actually, you know, from what I know, what I read the same thing that all the all that you guys read, but like. I think Roman Yossi is the only guy to get like trade protection ever. So like Forsberg, his, his contract probably starts with that. So if, if David Poyle doesn't give that to him, then the irony of it is that he would trade him away just to kind of uh, in the same way that he traded Erat for him. Yeah. And, and I think actually looking at the UFAs on a cap friendly right now, the, the probably the best value UFA, I mean, hurdles there. I'm not sure how he's, his game ages, but the guy who's just going to consistently put in a bunch of goals on the power play and some even strict, depending on who he, he plays with is Andre Burakovsky. He's a, he's a very intriguing UFA that no one's talking about. Oh yeah. That's a, a good hockey player. Yeah, but that yeah. also, that relies on the team he goes to using it properly, which he rarely was used properly in Washington. And then he goes to Colorado and they've used him very well. All yeah. it took was Nathan McKinnon, Kadri, and, Rantanen and Carr, Devin Tays, all the these great team is just absurd. I I cannot believe that's a real team. Sometimes. And watch watch them not win the cup again. Oh yeah, they, they oh, might yeah. Colorado Capitals. They will become the Colorado Capitals. Yo, I want Florida to win. I want G to go down to Florida and him and Joe skating the cup together. Oh, I man. still my cup the, final the parade prediction. of three thousand people is going to be good. My cup final prediction, it, it's not going to change until it eventually happens some days, is uh, Colorado, Carolina. That was my pick uh, this year, and I, I think it's going to happen. Maybe not maybe not this year, but, like, I think Carolina eventually has to get over the hump, and Colorado, like, will. They, they will. If they if they just keep losing, like, that would very surprise me because they have the depth to do it. It will be interesting after this year when they lose Kadri. By the way, we're pumping Colorado's tires right now, but they're down 3-2 to two to the Islanders at home, so... <laughs> Regular Maybe season. they suck. Well, hey, I mean, uh, Tampa lost to Detroit last year in the regular season. So, and, and Tampa <laughs> was dominant for most of the playoffs. I think they were still way better than the Islanders, even though that went seven. But, um, like, yeah, th- things happen in the regular season. Like, the the Red Wings, who are, like, mediocre, beat the Hurricanes tonight in OT. Like, sometimes that's just going to happen. Like, the Avalanche. Like, Hockey's it, real dumb. Yeah, this is why you guys are all crazy for betting on it all the time. All this dumb shit happens. All I the see. Time. I don't. I don't bet on hockey no. very often because no, what hockey you bet is, is unpredictable. You, you just exactly. you just bet over. Like very few people are are, mm. are betting like oh just money line or like minus one and a half unless you're really confident. You just bet the over and you're going to hit most nights. Yeah, the the over or occasionally if I'm feeling spicy, I'll bet on certain guys to score goals. But I feel real spicy for that. Like Bill's Bill typically just bets the over, and then sometimes when he's really confident that the Flyers just can't score, he will bet the under because they can't score. Like I think Bill did that 
I don't know if it was earlier this year or like late last year when they weren't scoring. Maybe it was midway through last year. They, but like yeah. Bill just picks on like he he he. Uh, and I think Bill hedges. Like Bill will like yeah. I'll just bet against the Flyers because like if they lose, which he thinks is going to happen most of the time, like he he gets money. And if they win, he's happy. I think you would actually probably have won a decent amount of money this year if you were betting against the Flyers every night because their record is real bad. It's yeah. Yeah. Not a fun team. And again, shut out by the, I would have bet the over tonight and again, stunned that they couldn't even score once against the Oilers. Just a, a, just a, a lousy game. You missed this one, right? Yeah. Um, oh, they put up a ton of shots, but they, it's just like, it's just garbage shots. Before I go, I'll ask you guys, what's your trade deadline prediction in terms of like, what do the Flyers actually do? And, and where, like, what do they get back? Are they getting picks and getting young players? Are they getting both? Are they, are they getting prospects that are currently like in the NCAA, CHL, or European Pro? Like, what what are your thoughts? Well, who's from Minnesota? Who played at BC? Did they <laughs> seem to be? Um, well, you can't gosh. trade for Matt Boldy now because he's Matt Boldy. You can trade for Matt Boldy. <laughs> yeah, Matt Boldy's gone out of here. Oh, my God. Chuck can't get that after Demko. Wild guys. It's just, it, man, they just pop up out of the woodwork. A guy I've never heard, like Jerry Mayhew. Never heard of this guy. Oh, wild organization. Nate Prosser. No clue. Oh. oh, my God. Remember that one game that people liked him? Yeah, he was fun. He was fun I, for one game. I like Prosser more than I like uh, Yandel these days, but that's the that's thing. Anyways, the so, old okay. energy vampire. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, Harris, I'm, I'm just like every night I watch the Flyers, prepared to be very underwhelmed. Um, I, you know what's interesting and uh, with Boston in the crowd? I'd be very curious to see what happens to uh, Jake DeBrusque. Just I had a hat trick last night, natural hat trick. That, that's what I mean. Like, you know, and that, that's a guy who's been like, he, he solves a lot of what the problem is uh, for the Flyers. And like, it's a win win because he doesn't have enough ice time. He doesn't have enough spotlight. He'll get all the spotlight here. And from everything I've seen, he still wants out of town over there. So, um, yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I, I don't know if you can just. I don't know if G would go to Boston because I think he would have to be included in a deal like that. Or I would even trade TK one for one for DeBrusque because, you know, they're, they're kind of the same player. Yeah. It's almost like a, a change of scenery trade right there. Yeah. 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 I mean, as far as guys I'm actually expecting from the Flyers to get traded, like G is a. I, I have come to acceptance with this. I have come to acceptance and not only have I come to acceptance, but I, I kind of just want to move on to the next chapter at this point for both our sake and Claude Giroux's sake. And, you know, we'll see what happens there, but I fully expect Claude Giroux to get traded. I think you'd be foolish to not trade Justin Braun. And, yeah. you know, so it, you like a second or a third, if, if not you can get a second greater. or a third, absolutely trade Justin Braun all day. And you're going to see one way or the other, you're going to see something happen with Ristolainen in the next couple of weeks. He is either signing or he's getting traded. And if Chuck Fletcher does neither within the next three weeks, he is dumber than I thought because you have to sign the guy or trade him. There is just no in between. You have to make a decision. You know, you either have to recoup some value or you have to lock him down. And I don't agree with locking him down, but that's your decision as GM. If you're going to lean into it, lean into it. But I, there's got to be one motion some way or the other. You can't just lose him for nothing at this point. I think the G basically, I don't think St. Louis works. I don't think they want to mess with their chemistry. I think it comes down to Colorado or Minnesota. And with Minnesota, yeah. I'm not sure how they can make it work because 
like you have to, it's money in money out. So like, I don't like is Minnesota, they're not going to do Kevin Fiala. Like, are they going to take Dumba who's on IR and like trade back his sour? And then like you get prospects like uh, Adam Beckman, um, Kalen Addison, who's sometimes on the roster, sometimes the AHL, Carson Lambos, Ryan O'Rourke, Damon Hunt, like some of those defensive prospects, or do you like trade them to the avalanche and then you're getting back the Justin Barron's of the world, uh, Drew Hellison's, Alex Newhook, Tyson Jost. Yeah. And if you're over real quick, if you're Chuck and we're talking about G and his money, why not retain the full 50% if that buys you a, like a a more developed uh, prospect and or a higher pick? Like it doesn't matter. So much money. Yeah, like like retain the max. It doesn't matter. That money's coming off. No matter, well, like you 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 don't need to save it for players you're bringing in. Yeah, and like, I I fully want I want at minimum a first round pick and a prospect for Claude Giroux. Minimum, if not, just keep him. Like you know, like I'd rather him just you know be happy and not have to like tear his family apart like so, we've seen so many times. So like at at minimum, it would be like if it's Colorado, at minimum, it's a first. It's Justin Barron and Tyson Jost at minimum. It could, you could, if you retain enough or if Colorado like really is going for it, you could try to get Alex Newhook. I don't think they give him up, but I think it's, it's like Barron, Hellison, Jost first type of territory. Sure. I, I, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right there. And I think that kind of deal sounds good to me. Or Oscar Olsen, the sniper in the OHL. I think Mm -hmm. he's on the um, Oshawa generals right now. That's another guy the flyers might like because it's it's a sniper who, who should be a sniper. Give me all the snipers. That's, and that's Forster insurance. I think I said it on Twitter a while ago, or maybe I said to bill that Olsen is Forster insurance. Like you just need that sniper that Forster doesn't work out. Then Olsen's that guy down the road. I'm not sure. There's something like that. That's what I'm thinking. If it's Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I want all the snipers, all of them, but yeah, you need a high, you need at least a high pro- quality prospect or two and a first round pick for Claude Giroux. You, you just simply do. And I'm with James, like retain as much salary as possible. I don't care. It's not like they can put it towards anything constructive for the rest of this year. In fact, the less NHL talent on this team for the rest of the season, the better, because Get those high draft picks. Get that high quality talent. However, you can get it. I wish that you know. I don't think they're going to tank next year, and I think they really should. And it's painful to say that, but I really think they should because you got some great prospects coming up, and this team needs to just get as many of those lottery ping pong balls as they can. But let's just think about this year, right? Let's trade off all those assets that you can, and really, the big guys I think are Giroux, Braun. And Ristolainen. Jones. I mean, are there any other names you can think of off the top Jones. of your head, James? Which one? Jones. Jones. Yeah, Martin yeah, Jones. Yeah. And they already had an offer from the Oilers. I think it was a was it a fifth round pick or uh, fifth round? Which is round? interesting because uh, that that was the other point I was going to bring up. The goalie market's going to be really interesting. So unless you know, it, it's funny that Martin Jones has value, just like in the same way the pogs that are sitting underneath my bed, you hold on to something long enough, it'll have value, right? But like, <laughs> it's if you can get anything better than a fifth, a third or a fourth, absolutely. I'll drive them to the airport myself. Like it's You're gonna get a, a third. Like Colorado or Edmonton will give up a third. Edmonton, but watch but like honestly, like you'll see teams give up something to have him be their third goalie because you know, goaltending's like a running back core these days. These guys they fall apart for no reason at any moment. So you need as many of them as possible. Yeah. 
collect yeah. as many of them as possible. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people have mentioned Van Riemsdyk, but I don't think they're going to get, I don't think anybody's no, going to trade for that contract at this point. I mean, the Flyers have to retain an absurd amount of salary. It ain't happening. Don't hold your breath on that one. But like the, all, all the depth guys too. Like, so for instance, like when uh, Michael Raffle got traded last year to Washington, like it's, um, you know, that was a like, great move. I, not a great move, but that was a solid move. Like right, get what you can for Michael Raffle. Get what you can, but like, I, I, I would like to retain like a Zach McEwen, but like him or, or, or Jerry Mayhem Mayhew, like, like, yeah, yeah those guys like, are fun. Retain those guys. But like a Patrick Brown, if, if somebody wants to give me a quarter for Patrick Brown, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. And you know what? Like, and uh, I, if I'm Morgan Frost, I'm very, very loudly or very quietly asking for a trade because like he's, he's fucked in this organization. The, like then no one knows what to do with him and he can't be happy with the situation. So, but, but you know, if he's included like in a trade with Chiru to go to Colorado or Minnesota, you know, he's going to pop off. Oh, in a hundred. That's our luck. That's our but, luck. But if you include him in that, like uh, Morgan Frost in a, in a G trade to Colorado, that's how you get him now. It's new hook. Yep. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about building up for tomorrow. You got to give the get, you know, like you got to get some B plus a minus a level prospects. You got to get picks back. Cause you need to add more picks to this draft, which this draft has very good depth. I don't, the, the star power might not be as high as what people thought a year ago. Um, but like, there's still really good depth. A depth uh, is good, that, and the more picks you can get in yeah. a depth draft, the better. And like, you know, it's also for me about mixing things up. I really changing the mixture in the room. It was almost distressing for me to hear, a, a, you know, go back into the Friedman comments from earlier about like, well, Aristotle is well liked in the room. Like, I don't really want anybody who's well liked in the room right now. Yeah. I want the room like blowing up. Yeah, it's um. And it would be interesting if they somehow won the lottery and get Shane Wright because he's already played for the Flyers. He played for the Don Mills Flyers in minor hockey, so you don't even have to Photoshop anything. He's already worn the flying P and uh, and he's worn the the orange and black. So uh, it was kind of a, a joke going into this year because we didn't think the Flyers would, would be this bad. It's somehow a decent possibility with the odds. Uh, like Shane Wright going to the Flyers, that would be a more offensive version of Patrice Bergeron. No, but talking about like just not repeating the past over and over. Yeah. Shane Wright's a great player and everything like that. He might be another Sean Couturier. Give me Levkovsky. Well, Levkovsky is a very interesting thing because his his Liga production is not that good, but he just had a very good world junior and a very good Olympics. So like, like what I think Wright's going to go one for sure, but like two through eight, they could go in many different orders depending on what people want. Like Simone Nemec or Nemitz, however you say his name, mm-hmm. he could go second overall. I think he's the best defenseman, and I think he's the second best player in the draft, maybe third best. But like a team like New Jersey might want him as like the the one D, and he could go. But then like Brad Lambert, Matt Savoy, uh, Cooley, Mel, like yeah. these guys, Logan Cooley. Th- there's a lot of what people do. So who the Flyers end up getting could be made that decision may be partially made by the people who are drafting in front of them. So that's and that's how we end up with Nolan Patrick. The decision was made for us. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. They go in the opposite direction. They go with the opposite line of thinking from the Patrick draft and they take a bigger swing and then watch that like not work out. Like they take Miroshnichenko or Yurov and then they never sign, which is what I've said to Bill. No, I completely agree. They, they should do what uh, Columbus did when uh, they took uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois over um, uh, 
exactly. Like that was way off the board, but I mean, it's not that, like that totally worked out for Dubois, but that that was the move. No, and they well they end up getting line A for it. I, I like right. I think Chuck is way better than Dubois in my opinion, so they could have just taken Chuck. But um, no, it, it's it's very interesting because that that two through eight is interchangeable, and like the Flyers right now are projected to pick I think fifth. It, it could be anywhere from like third to eighth. Obviously they could go into the top two. So like the Flyers could pick anywhere like one to eight and they, they might not be able to make their own decision. Right. Well, they, they will obviously when they get that pick, it's just their, their player that they most like may or may not be there. So it could, hey. it could very well change. It, it's much different than the 2017 draft. It's, it, it, I don't know. Yeah, but, real quick, guys. I I, I got a boogie because I've just been informed I've woke up, woken up everyone in the house. So this has been a lot of fun. And, <laughs> Thanks uh, for jumping on, James. I'll talk soon, guys. Later. All right, man. Have a good yeah. night, Steve. I'm uh, uh I'm gonna go too. Um, it's good talking to you. Yeah, man. Thanks for jumping on, Harris. It's been a pleasure. And uh, if anybody else would like to speak, this is the time. Otherwise, I will be wrapping up in a moment. But uh, thanks so much to James, to Harris, to everybody who joined on tonight. It was a lot of fun, unlike this boring, boring hockey game that we had to watch. Just, you know, another frustrating one. After a, a pretty fun game over the weekend with the Capitals, you know, it's, why couldn't I do the post game for that one? Because I had to go to a bar to actually enjoy the game for once. So how about that? Well, I'm not seeing any requests, so uh, I'm going to wrap it up. But thanks so much to everybody for tuning in. Uh, quite a... Again, shut out by the Oilers. Just the embarrassments do not cease with this team. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros